James and I were at Cooper's Hawk Restaurant a few weeks ago, probably a few months. I don't remember exactly. We've eaten there a number of times, and I ordered this meal that I wasn't sure about. It was a pork chop, and I'm not a huge pork chop fan. I, I don't know about you, but in fact, how many of you like pork chops? Anybody? Okay, we got some pork chop fans. Um, I'm not a huge pork chop fan. However, I ate a meal that day that changed my life. The bourbon pork chop. Maybe it's the bourbon, I don't know. But the bourbon pork chop. Have any of you ever had the bourbon pork chop at Cooper's Hawk? Anyone? Am I lying? Like, oh my gosh. It, it was amazing. In fact, we have a picture of it. We have a picture. This, this meal, handmade buttermilk onion rings, huge. Um, there's kale there because you're supposed to eat kale. And, and they have some... They have some mashed potatoes that I don't know how they make them. There may be crack cocaine in them. I don't know. But, but this meal was so incredible. In fact, in fact, a picture doesn't do it justice. We have one. We, we got one of these meals. Um, this meal, I mean, here, here's the reality. Jesus changed my life. Angie, my kids and grandkids changed my life. You've changed my life. And this pork chop changed my life. <laughs> I'm not lying to you. And, and so uh, who likes pork chop? Somebody? Come here, come here, come here, come here. Are you, like, you really like pork chop? There's a little bit of onion. Take that one right there. I'll try that. Told you. I'm telling you. No, 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 no. We're in church. Let's not be greedy. I'm t- where's Nathan? Nathan. Hey, Nathan, stand up for a second. This guy drives from Bradenton every other week to help lead us in worship. Why don't you try that one right there? That one right there. Yep. Try that. <laughs> that was good. It is. It is. I expected a little bigger reaction, but yeah, that, that's no, good. Uh, yeah. Oh, you're having a moment. I get it. I see a tear in your eye. That's awesome. That's awesome. I mean, it's amazing. Um, where'd Barry Oster go? Are you in the back? Right here. Hey, do me a favor. I want you to take this to the tech guys because they do such an amazing job every week. So there are two lessons for you in that. Number one, sit close to the front. Number two, serve. One of those ways, special things happen and God blesses it. You never know. But I'm telling you, that meal. Now, here's what I've noticed, though. We talk about what we love. Have you ever noticed that? Like, it it may not be Cooper's Hawk and the bourbon pork chop for you. It may be some other restaurant, some other meal. But but if you've gone somewhere that you just had a mind-blowing experience, you tell people you know about it. I also know we tell people about what we love, even if they don't love it. Like you Giants fans. Nobody loves them, but y'all. I mean, but, but you love them, and everybody knows you love them. You're proud to talk about them. You will do that. Eagles fans, y'all talk about them. Nobody talks about the Redskins. Cowboys fans, everybody loves them, most people, and Jesus. So we, we, talk, about, we talk about what we love. You have a great experience. You communicate it with people. So the question is, when we talk about what we love, why do we not talk about Jesus more? We tell people about the great restaurant and the great meal. We tell people about our team. We tell people about the vacation. We even take the pictures. And when you take the pictures for social media, you take at least 17 to get that right angle where those other chins don't show. And you try to get it exactly right. We tell people about that stuff. But, but 
part of the reality. This morning, I kind of want to just have a little family conversation as we wrap up this series, God Is. I want to talk about the concept, God is love. But when we hear the phrase, God is love, we hear that phrase and absorb that phrase often in a very selfish way. It's not an untrue way. God does deeply love each and every person. But somehow when we talk about God is love, we fail to remember that God longs to love other people through us. We fail sometimes to remember that every single person we lock eyes with is deeply loved by God. And love not expressed is not love at all. Jesus died on a cross for your sin and for my sin so that we could have a personal relationship with the Heavenly Father. He rose from the grave, defeating death, defeating sin, so that I could know God even in my brokenness in a personal way. But it does not end with me. When I become a follower of Jesus, it's all through the pages of the New Testament. Job one, responsibility one, is to help other people come into a relationship with Jesus. Found people, find people. John, close to Jesus, we read about it in the Gospel of John chapter 1, has just finished a conversation with some religious leaders. And they've been asking him, and some of his disciples are there. John had followers just like you have followers. You have people that you're connected with, people that are attached to you, people that listen to you. You have influence in some people's lives. Some of you have a little bit of influence, but don't, don't misunderstand. Don't, don't underestimate the power of small influence in big people. You may wish you had a larger crowd. You may compare your Instagram followers to somebody else. It does not matter. If you're influencing a big person, they will do more than 10,000 other people would. John had followers. He had disciples. And they were asking him, the crowd around him was asking him, the religious leaders were there, his disciples were there, are you the Messiah? And the thing about John is his entire life pointed to Jesus. How secure and spiritually mature he had to be. When they're saying to him, hey, are you the man? Are you the one? I mean, we're following you, we're doing what you say. Are, are you the Messiah? Are you the guy? No, it's not me. I'm just, I'm just making the way for another. I'm not even worthy to tie the sandals of the one is coming. His entire life points to Jesus. So does, does your life, does my life, in the circles of friends that we have, point people to Jesus? John chapter 1, verse 35. The next day John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God, always pointing to Jesus, always pointing to Jesus. Hey, I know you're following me. How do you use your influence, the influence you do have, the influence on social media, the influence on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever you have, how do you use that influence? Yes, to have fun. God created emotion. He gave us with emotions. He created us to enjoy life. He created us to cheer for the cowboys on social media. God created us for all of that. But also, do you ever use your influence on social media to influence people pointing to Jesus? To influence people pointing to, hey, you should come check out church. Do you, ever, do you ever do that? And do you ever use your personal influence in a conversation to point people to Jesus? John was like that. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Think about this. John's influence was so strong that he said, hey, hey, y'all should follow him. There's nobody like him. I'm not worried. It's him. And they did. 
Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? Now, he didn't say it like that. Have you ever noticed how when you say a phrase, it's not what you say, but how you say it? What do you want? That's not what he said. What do you want? I wonder how many times Jesus had what do you want moments, all the while knowing exactly what they wanted and needed. Think about it. Everywhere he went, people wanted something from him. Hey, hey, could you pray for me? Hey, could you heal this? Hey, could you fix that? Hey, that water to wine thing, could you do that again? Hey, uh, could, could you just do something for me? Could you bless me? Could you give me money? Could you heal my son? Could you bring this person back from the dead? Come on, Jesus, help me. Could, what? Never a moment of retreat. Always living in an atmosphere of the people around him of wanting something. Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? Back one verse. They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. So they spent the day, but it wasn't an entire day. It's about four in the afternoon at this point. They have spent a majority of the day. They have spent hours with Jesus. Now, if you and I could spend hours of Jesus, and we walked away from that experience, what's the first thing we would do? If we spent hours with Jesus, would we go pray for more hours? If we spent hours with Jesus, would we go volunteer somewhere? If we spent hours with Jesus, would we begin to sing songs and worship? If we could spend hours with Jesus, what is the result of spending hours, spending time with Jesus? Verse 40, Andrew, Simon's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we found the Messiah, that is the Christ. The first thing Andrew does after spending time with Jesus is bringing somebody else to Jesus. The very first thing on his mind. It, it, it's, it's the bourbon pork chop at Cooper's Hawk, but infinitely better. Oh, oh, you have got to experience this. What, what I've just experienced, man, I, I don't want anybody to miss that. You, you've got to experience that. And it's the whole reason Jesus came. He came so that we could have a personal relationship with him. And think about this. After his death and resurrection three days later, he spends a few days on earth and he ascends back to the Father. He, he leaves us the Holy Spirit and he leaves the entire enterprise. He leaves the church in our hands. He says, it's up to you. You carry this now. You spread the word. You handle this. You reach people. So if I'm a Christ follower, I should be inviting people to come and see. He found his brother Simon, and then verse 42, and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you're Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which translated as Peter. Who he was, he was not anymore. What he was, he was not anymore. See, when I come to Jesus, when you come to Jesus, who we were is not who we are now. See, some of you, when we talk about a message like this and sharing our faith and the fact that God is love and he wants to express his love for other people through us, when I challenge you as Christ followers, when God challenges all of us to invite people to come and see, sometimes there's this pushback of, you, you don't know me, you don't know what's in my life, you don't know. Listen, if you've met Jesus, you are changed. The Bible says you are a new creation. And when God looks at you, he looks at you through the blood of Christ that was shed for you, and you are seen as righteous, not because you're good, but because God is amazing. 
So that's how he sees us. Now notice what happens. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, found people, find people. Jesus modeled the way. He did it himself. He didn't just say, y'all go do it. He did it too. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip followed Nathaniel and told him, we have, Philip found Nathaniel and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. So Andrew goes and finds his brother. Jesus finds Philip, who goes and finds Nathaniel. Found people, find people. Now, now notice Nathaniel's response. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? There's a pushback. Like, Baton Rouge, can anything good come from there? There's a little bit of a pushback. Sometimes when you go to people and say, hey, you should come and see, they're going to say, ah, not, it's not for me. I, I, I don't think. I mean, there are going to be objections. Sometimes conversations are very awkward when I meet people because in a natural conversation between two men, when you meet each other for the first time, one of the first things somebody's going to say is, hey, what do you do? Now, they say this about two or three minutes into the conversation. Now, I don't know your experience, but my experience, two or three minutes into the conversation, also, also, often that other individual has already dropped the F-bomb a couple times. They've said some other four-letter words. And then, hey, what do you do? <laughs> I'm a pastor. The look on faces, the look on faces. It's amazing how people clean up instantly. Oh, man, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for my French. That's not French, dude. That's not, I don't know. That's not French. But, but it's amazing how quickly things change in that moment. I, I've had people tell me when I've invited them, listen, I believe in inviting. I, I, I'm not just asking you to do it or saying Scripture says. I, I believe we should do it. Often when I invite people in those conversations, oh, you're a pastor. Uh, yeah, you, you should come to C3. Just try it once. See what you think. The people are amazing. It's very welcoming. You, you should check it out. Pastor, if I, if I came to your church, would I walk through those doors lightning? You know how many times I've heard that? Did you know it's never happened? <laughs> it's never happened. But, but people will throw up some kind of object, objection. There will be some excuse. And, and notice, all Philip said, come and see. Just come see. Try it once. What do you have to lose? Just, just come see. So why don't we do this? When we talk about what we love, if we're a Christ follower, why don't we talk about Jesus? Why don't we invite people to come and see? Could it be that, that part of our issue as followers of Jesus, we, we, we love the restaurant, we love coming and eating, but we're becoming spiritual gluttons because we don't go do anything with it. Could it be that we love, oh, give me the meat, I want to eat, feed me, feed me, feed me, but I'm not going to do jack with this unless it benefits my own personal life. I'm not talking to anybody else. The reason, when you and I become a follower of Jesus, the only reason, please listen, 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 please hear me, please hear me, the only reason we are still on earth is to help other people find Jesus. It's the only thing we won't be able to do in heaven in eternity. Everything else we can do, we can pray, we can worship, we can serve, we can give, everything else we can do, the only reason you and I are left here is to help other people find Jesus. So if you're a Christ follower and you're not saying to people on a regular basis, come and see. You're not living what you were created to live. 
and you don't fully experience the love of God until you express the love of God to somebody else. Love not expressed is not love at all. And God's love is not selfish toward us. And I think too often we can move into the place where we become stagnant spiritually and very satisfied with, well, I know Jesus, I'm going to heaven. I don't give a damn about anybody else. And some of you are really upset right now that I said damn more than you're upset about the fact that your neighbors are going to hell. At the end of your life, at the end of your life, at the end of my life, what do you want people to line up to thank you for? At the end of your life, what do you want them to thank you for? As a pastor, one of the things that I do on a somewhat regular basis is funerals. And as you know, because many of you, you've been to a funeral, you've walked through that experience, maybe a close loved one, maybe a distant friend, but it's a deeply painful time. You know, one of the things I've noticed about funerals, sometimes people lie. Have you ever been at a funeral and somebody stood up and said great things about a person that wasn't great? Have you ever been there? Like, why are you doing this? Just tell the truth. Why, like, he was sorry. Just tell the truth. Why, why, what, what does this benefit? But the more striking thing to me about funerals is, and one of the most common thoughts I have at funerals is, what they're saying now. I wonder if they ever said to the person. Years ago, I don't know where it came from. Angie had this idea, and we started a tradition in our family. Years and years ago, we're on, on birthdays for family, close friends. If they're on birthdays, at the end of the meal, we go around the table, and everybody says one thing they love or appreciate about the person. Because I, I want people to hear, and, and Angie wants people to hear what we value and how much we love them before they're laying in a box and not hearing it at all. But when that time comes for you, what do you want people to line up to thank you for? <laughs> I don't want people to line up and thank me for being a communicator. I just said, damn, in church. I, I, I don't want it. That's not my deal. My hope and prayer, the, the, the little bitty dash between the date of birth and the date of death on the tombstone, the little dash that represents life, and it goes by so quickly. The passion of my life is to help people find a relationship with Jesus, to help people find hope in Christ. That is what drives me. I'm addicted to life change. I want people to know Jesus. So I'm hoping that God uses every ounce of my life and square, squeezes every bit of my life out of me. I don't want anything left. Squeezes everything out of me so that my entire life I'm helping people find Jesus. That, that's all that matters. And I think 100 years from now, that's all that's going to matter for any of us. So what do you have? How do you do this? You have influence and opportunity. Every one of you, you have influence and opportunity. Parents, at the end of the day, parents, Angie and I have four grown kids. You know what we've discovered? All you really have with your children is influence and opportunity. And you want to function in a way when they're little that you have more influence when they're older. Influence and opportunity. You want to be intentional about looking for opportunities. The same thing's true when it comes to, to inviting people to come and see. We, we want to use our influence and take advantage of opportunities, missed opportunities. How many regrets will we have in life because of missed opportunities? Influence and opportunity. But sometimes I hear people say, in fact, anytime I talk about how, man, we need to invite people, we, we need to reach people, sometimes I hear people say, Pastor, it, 
isn't our church big enough? Isn't it, isn't it big enough? I, I came from another church, and it was really, really big, and I wanted to come here because it's more intimate. Hey, you know what I've learned? You can be a consumer and a critic at any church. The difference is how involved you get, and the greater involvement you have, the deeper intimacy you'll have for the house. So at C3, listen, if, 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 if you've come and you're thinking, oh, this is just, this is just the right size. This is perfect. I like it like this. I can have my cap and crunch and come to the second service and sit in the room, and it's just, it's perfect. I, I've got a little bit of room. Nobody's on this side. Somebody's sitting here, but it, it's perfect just like this. In a few months, you're going to be miserable. You're going to be miserable. We will not coast because the issue is not size. The issue is life change. As long as there is one more person that doesn't have a personal relationship with Christ in central Florida within a two-hour driving distance and a six-hour plane ride, we are going to continue to press forward to help people find hope in a relationship with a God that invites us to call him Father. We are passionate about that. That's why we sing songs the way we sing. We don't sing stuff people don't understand. Sometimes people say, y'all need to do this song. This song is very special to me. It moves me. Oh, I worship when I hear this song. Hey, people that don't know Jesus, don't know church, don't know what the crap raise mine Ebenezer means. We're not singing it. It's not going to happen. Everything we do here is intentional. How we do the parking lot, everything's intentional. At the front of our minds in leadership all the time is the person who's never been here before. Because if you've never been here before, church is scary. Church is scary. 92% of the people, 92% of you in the life of C3 were not at any church for at least five years before you came here. We are a church that goes after people that feel far from God and disconnected from church. That's who we are. 86% of the people that live in Florida don't go to church, not even Christmas or Easter. You know why? Because even though 92% were not at any church for at least five years before, in God bless America, most of us has been to church at some point. And you know what I've discovered? Everybody has a bad church story. You had a bad experience. Your grandma had a bad experience. Somebody had a bad experience. We are working hard to change people's minds. That's why the guest matters. That's why the more you invite, listen, you partner with us in this. The more you invite people to come and see, you hold us as leadership accountable to the vision. Because when you invite somebody, it matters who's in the parking lot and how they're serving. When you invite somebody, it matters that every one of these doors are covered with a greeter. When you invite somebody, it matters that people that serve and see three kids are there on time, welcoming families and being friendly. When you invite somebody, it matters the quality of music. What you will never think ever in the life of C3 is when someone sings, oh, they must be related to somebody. You will never think that here. If you can't sing, we will tell you. <laughs> we will. Because it matters. That's who we are. So imagine a world. Imagine a world. Think, think about how many people are here this morning. There'll be somewhere around 1,000 people here this morning. I want you to think about this for a second. I want you to think about the reality of if we all did what Jesus did, if we all did what Andrew did, what Philip did, if, if we all did that. And this week you invited somebody. And you invited all week until somebody said, yeah, I'd come. Did you know when it's Easter, about seven or eight people out of every ten you invite will come? But did you know on the average Sunday, not Easter, four to five people out of every ten you invite will come? What if we did that? And what if you invited 52 weeks a year? Now, let's just take those statistics and boil them down to nothing. What if only one person all year long comes? And begins to get plugged into C3, and in a year we double, and in another year we double from that, and in another year we double from that. 
wait, 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 wait. About the numbers? Heck yes. Absolutely. Because every single number has a name. And every single name has a story. And every single story matters to God. These are people that God loves. How long would it take us to reach Orlando if we all did this? If we all just did this. And it's not, oh, memorize your Bible and be able to break down every passage and go into the, you know, exegete the passage and, and make sure you have correct hermeneutics and homiletics. And wait, what are you talking about, Pastor? It's stuff that you don't even need to worry about. But there are people that are so heavenly minded, they're absolutely no, no earthly good. And they get stuck in this theological bent where they want to sit in a room and discuss what they believe about certain things. And it's not helping anybody. We want to be the kind of church, you don't need to know every verse in the Bible. You just need to know your story. And you need to be able to say, hey, come and see. Notice what Peter says. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared. Always be prepared. Say that with me. Always be prepared. One more time. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Always be prepared. Do you know what that means? Be intentional. Influence an opportunity. Look for the opportunities. Years ago, many years ago, we bought our oldest daughter a used yellow Volkswagen Beetle. And it was really awkward. I had to drive it a couple of times. I had a big sunflower on the dash. It was amazing. But my dad told me that looked kind of like my shirt, so I fit in that car. And so uh, we bought that for her. Now, before we bought her that Beetle, I never noticed yellow Volkswagen Beetles. After we bought her the Beetle, I started seeing them everywhere. Have you ever done that? Like you're thinking about a new car, and then all of a sudden you start seeing it all the time? We see what we focus on. We see more opportunities if we're focused on more opportunities. So always be prepared as, as you walk into your day. God, please use me today just to invite somebody to come and see. God, God use me. Work through my life today. A and the Spirit of God will be in the breath of your words when it goes to people. Just come and see. You'll be shocked. And then no matter what's going on in your life, no matter how much you're struggling with this issue or that issue, no matter how dark some days are, Every single night when your head hits the pillow, you'll know God used me to reach somebody. And a hundred years from now, it's all that's going to matter. Jesus brought the kingdom of God to earth, and everyone is invited to participate in it. That's you and me. He left it in our hands. So there's one thing that could change everything for somebody, and that is our invitation. So I'm asking you this week, this week to invest in invite. Invest in relationships. Build friendships, the person at the office, the next door neighbor, the other parents that have a kid on the ball team that your kid's on. I invest in the relationships and invite. Come and see. Why? It's the pork chop, baby. You don't want them to miss out. You don't want them to miss that experience. they got to try it once. You might not like it. If you don't like it, you're wrong, but try it once. Because there's more power in your invitation than you could ever imagine. Why? How is there more power? Man, Pastor, you don't know me. I'm kind of shy. No, 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 no. You may be shy, but we still know your team and your favorite food. How is there power in my invitation? Because Jesus promised to be in your invitation. Matthew chapter 28 says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me, all of it. So through that authority, because of that authority, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and notice, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always. 
If you want to feel the presence of God in your life more, if you want to experience the power of God in your life more, if you want to see God do things beyond anything you and I could ever imagine, start inviting. Because if you want to see God working that way, begin to pray a high-risk prayer. God used me this week to invite somebody to come to C3 and hear about Jesus. And see, you and I have a very special partnership. I deeply love you. And you can reach people that I can never reach. I'm the pastor. You know what that means? It means people expect me to say what I'm saying. It means some people view me as a salesman because they don't know my heart and they don't know me. Everything I'm saying this morning, even somebody that would say they don't believe in God, would expect a pastor to be saying. But when you say it, it's different. There are people that you can reach that I could never reach. And you can reach far more people than I can. Because you don't have pastor baggage. You don't have church baggage. You're just the guy that works in the cubicle next to me or the neighbor across the street or the friend I run into all the time at the restaurant. That's who you are. And if God did something so special that somebody that's not a pastor is going to be inviting people to check out a church, I'm going to check that out. And what it means is this doesn't work without you and me. If we aren't doing this, Jesus left it all in our hands. So what does it look like practically this week? Very quickly, I want you to listen for the three knots. Always be prepared. It it means influence and opportunity, being intentional, looking for opportunities. Listen for three knots in conversations around you this week. Not in church, not going well, not prepared for. Not in church, not going well, not prepared for. When you overhear someone or you're in a conversation where somebody says, yeah, we're not in church. Like maybe this afternoon you decide you're going to go, I don't know, maybe to Cooper's Hawk. And when you get there, you're sitting in the booth, always sit in the booth. The tables don't have a lot of room. When you get there and you're sitting in the booth, maybe you hear the people in the booth behind you saying, man, we, we're not in church. Our family's going through this. Our family's going through that. I want you to sit up, turn around on your knees and lean over the booth and say, hey, you should check out my church. I think you'll love it. And then offer to pay for their meals. And if you feel like, man, I, I, can't, do, I, I can't afford that, Barry Leathers will pay for it. Just talk to him. He'll take care of it, I'm sure. He loves Jesus, so I'm sure he'll do that. But, but when you hear people say, hey, I'm not in church, that is an open door. That is an opportunity the Spirit of God is putting right in front of you. Do you think you're in that conversation or overhearing that by accident? With all that's happening on the planet, do you think you are not strategically placed there of God in that moment to just say, come and see? When you hear somebody say things aren't going well, man, my, my marriage is struggling. Man, one of our kids, we don't know what to do. We've tried everything. Man, I'm so unhappy and frustrated at work. Ten years ago, I never thought my life would look like this. Hey, you, you should just come to my church. Just try it once. Come and see. Or I'm not prepared for it. I'm not prepared for it. See, what you know and what I know is we all get blindsided in life, don't we? There are things that just come out of, oh, my gosh, where'd that come from? Today's fine. Yesterday, the world is upside down. You had a vasectomy 12 years ago. And then all of a sudden you find out she's having twins. Now there's probably another test she has to have before you go too far with that. But if that all checks out, (laughs) if that all checks out, I'm not prepared for this. I thought we were done. Listen, these conversations, these are opportunities, open doors by the Spirit of God to say, hey, invite. 
well, he lost his job. How's an invitation going to help? Let me ask you a question. What is the gospel not the answer for? What's the gospel? What is gospel? Gospel literally means good news. You know what it means? The good news that Jesus came, he died for us. Three days later, he rose again. He defeated sin and death so that we could have a personal relationship with God. He invites us to call him Father. That's why, what is that not the answer for? Because all problems in life boil down to three things, sin, sorrow, and death. Everything, sin, sorrow, and death. And the gospel is the answer for all of it. So here's what you're going to say this week. Come sit with me and try it once. Man, say, I want to encourage you, you and me, us together. Let's say this so much this week from Orlando, Florida, that the halls of heaven are echoing because how we're inviting people to come and find hope. Come sit with me and try it once. Why? I did some research this week. The difference in saying you should try it once and come sit with me is astounding. Try it once, it means I have to come in alone and sit by myself and navigate the buildings, and we have amazing hosts. But can you imagine if all of us got somebody to come next Sunday? We don't have enough hosts to manage that. When you say come sit with me, it makes it personal. When you say come sit with me, it makes it less scary. When you say come sit with me, it makes it okay. People are far more inclined when you say come sit with me. And try it once means it's not a religious obligation. Try it once. And then let's trust God and leave it up to the Holy Spirit to convince them to come back. Let's be kind and loving, gentleness and respect. Or if you have a little bit longer conversation, five seconds, life is complicated. Life is complicated. You want to get it right, don't you? Yeah, we we all do. We want to help. Come sit with me and try it once. Less than five seconds. Now, how many times a day could you say that? And how many people could you and I invite naturally in conversation? And I have to ask you this because I've asked me this. How many people have you found and brought to Jesus? And if you're a Christ follower and you haven't, hey, I want you to see me. I'm smiling. This is a heart full of love. Why not? your child had cancer and I had the cure and didn't share it with you, what would you think of me? And aren't you glad somebody invited you? God is love. And when we love people God loves, we represent him well. And God loves every single person you and I could lock eyes with. Even the person you hate at the office. Even the person that's difficult Don't you think they'd probably be sweeter and better if they met Jesus? So this week, influence and opportunity. Say, come sit with me. Just try it once. Father, thank you so much for what you're doing in the life of C3. And God, thank you for every person in this room. Father, I pray you'd use us this week to make a difference in people's lives. No matter how busy, no matter how hectic, no matter what struggles we're walking through, use us this week, God. Help us be an instrument of your love. Love people through us as we invite them to come and sit with us and just try it once. Thank you for what you're going to do in the life of C3. I pray your blessings on every person in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. 